I don't know whether or not you're aware that today is Pentecost Day. Okay, happy Pentecost Day. So we're going to be a little bit different this morning. I have a prop, which I will explain later on. It's probably easier to put the prop up now rather than putting it up later. It's okay. There you go. We'll do that, and we'll do that. That will be fine. It's okay, yeah, thank you. Excellent. Can you see that? Excellent. Okay. All will become apparent later on. And you'll go, why does it keep on doing that? Anyway. So um, today's Pentecost Day, and uh, one of the things that happened at Pentecost was the Holy Spirit came. I'm really booming. One of the things that happened was the the Holy Spirit came with great power on Pentecost Day. And so I'd like to invite every one of you to stand, please. And can you put your right hand on your heart? And I'd like, you to inv- I'd like to invite you to repeat after me. Holy Spirit, I ask you today to speak into my heart. Give me an open heart and open ears to hear what you want to say. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Okay, thank you. You may sit down. Any of you that are nervous about that, please feel free to leave. Um, We're going to be talking about obedience today. Okay. Don't say that you weren't warmed. (laughs) Um, We've been going through Joshua, the, uh, the first nine verses of the first chapter of Joshua. We're going to go through Joshua chapter 1, verse 6 and 7 today. So another uh, recap of the Joshua um, story about going into the land. Um, And I'm going to read those first nine verses, but we're going to concentrate on verse 6 and 7. Hopefully things will become apparent. Um, So it says this, uh, Joshua chapter 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Moses, the servant of Nun, Moses' assistant, sorry, said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I'm giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea, that's the Mediterranean Sea, going down to, uh, to the, where the sun goes down, shall be your territory, territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. What a promise for life. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may have good success wherever you go. And this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened, and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you, 
wherever you go. Recapping verse 6 and 7. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. See, God had made some promises to their forefathers about inheriting the land. They had walked through uh, the Sinai uh, Peninsula through a desert land for 40 years. It should have taken them about a fortnight to move from the Red Sea to where they found themselves now on the banks of the Jordan. Uh, But because of disobedience, basically that entire generation forfeited its right to go in and inherit this land. And so here they were again. And so God had made promises to their forefathers, and he was going to make, uh, use Joshua to, to enable the people to inherit the land. God had commissioned Joshua to lead, and he was to do so boldly. And God then reiterated his instruction uh, in verse 7 for Joshua to step up into his calling. You know that God is so patient with us, and that he'll speak to us and he'll give us promises. And then when we, when we go, ah, he'll go, come on, you can do it. So he, he, he reinforces his promises often to us. But the key to success for Joshua was to be obedience. So obedience to what God had already instructed and no deviation or interpretation of what God clearly had stated was to be allowed. Obedience will end up in good success. Do you want good success in your life? I want good success in my life. In all the different areas, I want good success. I want to be a good husband, a good father, a good worker, a good, a good Christian. I want to be a good example. I want good success in my life. Well, God says, actually, there, there's a way to do it. So obedience is the heart of the matter here. Obedience starts with a response of our heart and our mind and our wills. You see, long before there's ever any external signs of obedience, obedience starts with a heart decision. So we, we will hear a call. So Joshua had heard the call, be strong and courageous, for I've called you to lead this people. He, he was leading them into an adventure. This was going to be the adventure of their lives and God's already said that to us this morning through Mark prophetically and Mark had got no idea at all what was going on here but God said actually I've got an adventure for you to live and it's an invitation into an adventure so we hear or receive the call or the request or the promise we then choose to believe or disbelieve it and then act upon it so we can hear something and go nah thanks very much indeed not for me You know, we've heard this morning, actually, that there's an invitation into the gospel. Do you want your life transformed from darkness to life, from meaninglessness to purpose? There's an invitation. Jesus said, all who come to me, I will not throw away. And there's an invitation there. You can choose to believe it and embrace it or go, nah, thanks very much indeed. Because God amazingly allows us to say, well, I'll have this or I won't have that. Incredible. Um, 
Anyway, that's a side thing. So we then decide to what extent we will allow this call to shape our choices. We align ourselves to pursue or ignore the call and then we take action accordingly. So it might be, you know, I've got great intentions about losing weight and getting back to the weight that I was when I was a 25-year-old. The reality to things is that that would take an inordinate amount of self-discipline, self-discipline in terms of exercise and chocolate and red wine and, and that kind of thing. And the reality is that actually I'm not prepared to take that to count that cost. Harsh though it may sound, pay the price. Will you do it? No, you won't. So I have enormous respect for people who go, you know what, I'm going to sign up. Sam signed up for the London Marathon. She doesn't know whether or not she's in, in it yet. But she's, she's got, you know, I'll do it. 26 miles to run around. What madness. <laughs> but, but she's prepared to, to, to count the cost and go, you know what, I'll step up and I'll, then, I'll, I'll do some things which mean that I'm then able to, to do that. I couldn't run 26 miles. I could cycle it, but I couldn't run it. So we then allow, align ourselves um, to pursue the, the, uh, the, the call and take actions accordingly. We then readjust other things that get in the way of pursuing or ignoring the call. Maybe the chocolate drawer is just going to stay untouched in Sam's fridge if she gets the call. Maybe. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? Maybe she'll just be able to do both. Whatever. Sorry, Sam, I'm not meaning to pick on you. <laughs> But then we take active and practical steps to support that heart decision. So we've got, uh, there's a positive and a negative example of this. So positively, so Moses was just doing his stuff. He was just wandering through, you know, minding the, minding the flocks of his father-in-law and then saw this burning bush. And he was kind of arrested by it. And he responded to it and think, why is this? And God says, get your, fit, get your shoes off, you're on holy ground. Because actually I'm going to take you from where you are now and I'm going to take, take you into Pharaoh's palace and you're going to speak to, be, to him and he's going to release two million people under your care. Whoa. I mean, Moses had a bit of a, bit of a struggle with that, like, uh, who am I and what, and please send somebody else. But God was on his case. He responded positively to the call of God on his life. And it changed the nation, changed the Israelite nation from slavery into freedom. And we're seeing in Joshua the, the good fruit of his obedience. So negatively, we've got Jonah. Jonah was a prophet. He knew that he heard God. And, you know, he should have been a man full of the heart of compassion of God. And then there was a city. There was a city called Nineveh, which I guess is a bit like, well, London. You know, it's full of godlessness. People have got no time, that kind of stuff. And God said to him, actually, I've, I've, I've looked at Nineveh, so I want you to go and speak to them because my heart of compassion towards them is such that I want to win them back to me. And Jonah went, no, I'm going this way. And we know the story with Jonah, so he goes into a boat and all that kind of thing, and then a big storm gets thrown into the sea, gets swallowed by a great fish slash whale slash whatever, vomited up onto the beach and then and then god comes to him again and says do you do it again and he went i know it's you lord okay i'm going to obey 
You know, there's negative and positive. You know, we can risk. I don't know how this works, but God somehow, the creator of the heavens and earth, and says, you know, do you want to obey me, yes or no? And we're allowed, somehow, we're allowed to say, no, Lord. How can you say, no, Lord? Is he? Anyway, this is just a thought. Okay. Moving on. So, what influences our obedience? A few things here. So, who's asking the question? Uh, what's being asked? Does it interest, excite, or envision me? And we actually, what Martin brought this morning was about are you fired by the, the passion to see God moving forward? Yeah? Through your life. You know, what, what's the state of your heart this morning? Is it full of fire or is it, ah, whatever, oh, good. You know, we're almost done. We'll go home for lunch soon. Yeah, where's, where's your heart this morning? Does it fire you? Am I able to do it? What's the cost? Okay, so, you know, God, God sort of lays hands upon somebody and says, you know, we've got somebody within our congregation. They were a professional, a highly, highly skilled and professional uh, nursing colleague. And God said to them, Will you lay it down because I want you to count the cost and be, be available to me as a servant? And you go, Lord, this is, this, is like, this is not like five years of medical degree. This is five years of medical degree plus, 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 plus. And now I've got consultant. Okay, Lord, if you say it, I'll lay it down. And then you let, you let the, the general medical council qualification lapse so you can't pick it up again that's counting the cost yeah but god blesses obedience like that do i want to do it will i do it yes or no so i i give a silly example so i've got to move a fridge this afternoon and uh, somebody said to me I, I need a fridge move would you mo- could could you help um, and I could have done the, you know what, it's not really very convenient and haven't got a trailer. Could it go in the back of my car? Yeah, it probably could. Do I want to do it? Who's asking? All that kind of thing. And you could rationalise out quite reasonably all of, the, all of the calls that come to you and go, nah, don't really feel like that, thanks very much indeed. Or you could go, yeah, why not? Why not have an answer, an attitude as far as when God speaks to you about the answer's Lord, Lord is yes, unless there's a really compelling reason, reason why you should say no. That would be an interesting one, wouldn't it? Challenging. Okay. So obedience, next one. Obedience is the key to kingdom breakthrough. So kingdom breakthrough is always linked to obedience. This is a really simple truth, but is not without its challenges. So Jesus knew that his father always heard him, it says in in John 11, because he always was obedient to the father's will. Talks about that in Hebrews 5. And he always did what was pleasing to God. He said, I only do the things, this is John 5, John 5, 19, 20 and 21, where Jesus said, I only do the things that I hear the Father um, doing or see the Father doing. And I, I, I listen to his voice and I'm, I'm sensitive and obedient to it. Massive cost. Cost him his life. You know, why, why? I mean, Jesus knew that he was the Son of God age at least 12 or 13. 
you know, when he was, he was, uh, he's, they, they went up to Jerusalem to do a sacrifice, and then for some reason or other, he didn't rejoin the family when they all went back to their village, and they came back, and his response to them when they, when they found him in the synagogue is, did you not know I had to be in my father's house? Okay, that's fair enough. He then waits, you know, not, we're, we're anxious about doing things, but he waits from, let's say, 13 until the age of 30. 17 years knowing that he was the son of God working as a carpenter in obscurity why because he was sensitive to his father's voice that said not yet not yet not yet not yet now Obedience had real cost. I mean, you know, you could think, well, could he have been so much more effective if he'd just worked in the kingdom and just released, you know, his kingdom mandate in his 20s? You know, man, you could have been really, really effective. But God said, not yet. And then only three years with effectively only 12 people and a, a bigger group of maybe about 500 people all told. And then he changed the world through that. But it's about obedience. It says in Hebrews that Jesus learned obedience through the things that he suffered. Whoa. Told you you could leave earlier. Okay. Joshua was told not to deviate from God's instructions. It says that you might have good success wherever you go. Another king, King Saul, he was the one immediately before David, he actually, he, he was given a command to, to go into this particular area and kill all these people called Amalekites because they were really nasty people and they were just, you know, God was kind of angry with them, etc. And he was given a really, really clear mandate to do. And so he went in there and he did this battle and he killed the people, but he kept the best of the animals and he kept a, kept a couple of people and then he came back to the person that had commissioned him to do it, so the prophet who was kind of speaking with the voice of God. Uh, and he said, yay, done it, fantastic. And then Samuel, the prophet, said, uh, so what's this bleating of sheep that I can hear and this mooing of cattle? And he said, yeah, but I kept the best to give to God. And Samuel went, that wasn't what you were called to do. You were called to utterly destroy them. Yeah, but I kept the best. You know, I've got the best of intentions. And his resp- uh, the Samuel's response is, you know what? To obey is better than any kind of sacrifice. And there's, there's a real challenge there. Because sometimes we go, you know what? I kind of, I just interpret, you know, did God really say, what do you mean give away £3,000? What? You must be joking, Lord. I've got bills to pay. And we go, oh, my goodness me. So sometimes God says, actually, well, no, not sometimes. Always God says, to obey is better than sacrifice. And you just go, well, I could kind of rationalize away what you're asking me to do. When you know that God's put his finger upon things, you know that he's done that. I'm going to, do, I'm going to give you some stories from my life in a, in, a, in a couple of moments, which kind of illustrate some of this. Um, but you know when God's put his finger upon things. And actually, to obey is better than to rationalize, if I can paraphrase that, that phrase. But obedience can sometimes look really confusing because it's just not obvious. So Isaiah 55, verse 8. So God's speaking here. He says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, and my ways are not your ways. 
And you go, well, no, sometimes God's ways just don't seem sensible. Um, <laughs> it just kind of doesn't make sense at all. Um, but it says in Proverbs 8.32, blessed are those who keep my ways. So as an example, so Elijah, so we've got a really godless situation going on in the land. And Elijah thought that he was the one person who was still holding fast to God and he was the prophet of God. And so God said, look, I tell you what. We need this kind of big showdown between the prophets of these false gods and and the prophet of God, which is you. So what you do is you go up onto a big mountain and you're going to take a sacrifice and, you know, like a a big bull and then take some stones and take some some, uh, wood. That's the word I'm looking for. I hate Alzheimer's. Early onset Alzheimer's. That's (laughs) dreadful, isn't it? No, undeclare that. Um, so he said, right, take all of those things. And then God says to him, right, now get a great big jug of water and pour it on the sacrifice. Don't light it yet. Pour it on the sacrifice. And then do it again. And then do it again. And this thing's like sopping wet. I don't know whether or not you've ever tried to have a bonfire that lights when the wood is just wet. It's just not going anywhere at all. It made no sense for Elijah to do what he did. And then he said, okay, now don't put a fire to it. What you do is you pray. Now, God, show if you're the God that answers by fire. And the people's response is, the Lord, he's God. The Lord, he's God. Because sometimes obeying, always, sorry, not sometimes, always, obeying is better than rationalizing. Obeying is better than sacrifice. It made no sense for Joshua to lead, to lead approximately 2.4 million people, because in Numbers 22, Numbers 23, I think it is, it says that there were 601,730 fighting men, that's between the age of 20 and 50, who went at this time, plus their wives, plus their kids. So the commentators say there was a bunch of about 2.5 million people that Joshua was leading across this river. It made no sense for Joshua to say to two and a half million people, tell you what, we've got a 10-mile journey to that flooding river there. It's only about 100 yards wide, but don't worry, it's in full flood, and then we're just going to tread into the river, and then we're just going to go through to the other side. That made no sense whatsoever to anybody. You know, if I was Joshua, I'd have thought... Where's the lifeboats, Lord? Where's the bridge? Bridge would be good. No bridge. But God was testing whether or not he would obey, even when it doesn't appear to be obvious. Next one. See, God is looking for people who respond with hearts of fire. And I don't know about, how, uh, about you, but I know that the, the state of my heart can sometimes vacillate between being fully on fire for God and being much more like a colour, you know, I'll worship them on a Sunday, but to be honest, I'm, you know, I'm not really in that fireplace at the moment. And um, well, as I was preparing this, actually, the, pretty well the first thing that um, God spoke to me about through this was there used to be an old Keith Green song. I don't know if any of you are old enough to remember Keith Green, but he used to do a, a song which, which was about this whole Samuel sacrifice and Saul sacrifice thing where one of the verses in this talks about to obey is better than sacrifice. I want hearts of fire, not prayers of ice. And I felt that God wanted to light a fire 
under us today, which is why I bought this. So this is a plumb line. And I work in construction, I work in building, so it's really important that we build according to a plumb line. And this is, this is merciless, really, when you build and you go, so I've put the wall up and it looks like that. And you go, that's not good enough. Take it down and do it again. I've done that. No, that's not good enough. Take it down and do it again. And the plumb line is absolutely ruthless because it says, you know what? There's a standard. There's a calling. This is where I want your heart to be. And I felt that God has, God has spoken to me about, actually, Rick, think about where you were five years ago. Where's your heart? Is it a heart of fire? Or has it gone, has it dimmed? And there was, there's a really contentious verse and I, um, in, in Revelation um, where God speaks to a church and says, I have this against you that you lost your first love. Went, whoa, Lord. And you go, this calls for some honest introspection in terms of, Lord, what's the state of my heart this morning? Have I got a heart that is pursuing you? There's a heart of fire that says whatever he says. You know, Mary, Jesus' mother, said, whatever he says to you, do it. Whatever he says to you, do it. And, and I find this a constant challenge to me. And God's been, God's been sort of, you know, he puts his finger upon things. I'm going to give you some examples in a minute. Um, but God puts his finger upon some things. And you think, oh, this is really uncomfortable, Lord. And it's about cost and obedience. But there's such blessing and there's such release. You know what? Joshua's obedience to, it makes no sense to walk into a raging river with two and a half million people following me. What that did was it released a destiny for a people. It released people into an adventure in God and fulfilling their destiny. And you think, well, the challenge is, do you want safe and sat there and go, I never really upset anybody in my life. And I wasn't really radical, and I wasn't bold, but I paid my taxes, and I did my work, and I drew my pension, um, and my children kind of love me. And that's, is, that, is that good enough? I don't think it's good enough. I think we're, we're called to the plumb line. We're called to have hearts of fire. Not prayers that look good, but hearts of fire. Where's your heart this morning? What's going on in your heart this morning? told you you've got an opportunity to leave because obedience is where God puts us against his plumb line okay next one so what does obedience look like you go oh phew because at least he's moved on from that no problem we'll come back um, so what does obedience look like so obedience always requires action so obedience starts at an attitude of our heart, a response of our heart, but it will always look like something. Um, but God's call always includes his promise and a call to action. Do you remember Matthew 28? He says, go into all the world and preach the gospel, and these signs will occur. But the call was this, this great commission to go. You, we're not called to you know, have a mental assent to, yeah, I, I agree with all your teaching, Lord, that sounds great. But there's a, right, now, and go, and go. Um, and in Ephesians 6, which is probably one of the, uh, the best passages in the, in, in the, uh, the New Testament, 
Uh, it talks about the armor of God, and it says, "Stand first, stand firm in the evil day, putting on the armor of God and head, head, uh, helmet of salvation and breastplate of righteousness and all that kind of thing." Why it says so that having done everything, you'll be able to stand in the evil day. There's some action that happens as well. So obedience looks like internal agreement and then an outwork in action. So for Joshua, in practical terms, this meant like stepping into his calling and taking responsibility to lead. Do you know that God's given you a mandate to lead? And that might be, that might be only as simple as leading in your family. That might be leading at work. That might be leading in the church. That might be leading a group. That might be leading, I don't know, maybe you're involved in the scouts and you're... But actually, if we're called to lead, step up and don't shrink back and don't go, well, I kind of want to lead by committee. Actually, sometimes God's call on leadership is to lead. And that means taking uncomfortable choices. I mean, Duncan Amorne, Duncan particularly on this one, is leading us into a building where at the moment we don't have enough money for it. We're absolutely a step of obedience and says, you know what, come on guys, God has spoken, we are fully assured of this, God's work done in God's way will never lack God's resources. We don't see the evidence of this, but we're going, come with me. And that's effectively what he's saying, isn't it? And part of our obedience, and part of the the people's obedience to Joshua's, okay, makes no sense, Joshua, but we're with you. And sometimes that's our response. Makes no sense. You know, what can I give? I've got 100 quid. Doesn't make any sense, but I'll put it... It feels like a little bit of a drop in a bucket. You've got 10 grand hole. Actually, we've got a much bigger hole than that. Here's my 100 quid. I can't do much more than that because my kids need food on the table. But we, we do our bit and go, well, I tell you what, I'm in as, as much as, as I can be, I'm in. Yeah? Obedience looks like something. Sorry, I didn't mean to bring that as a... I did. Okay. <laughs> uh, that, what, genuinely, that was not in my notes. <laughs> That's okay, I thought so. I thought just it's a moment, isn't it? But taking action... And making a response. That's what it looked like for Joshua. And the reality is that he brought impact to others. By his obedience and stepping into what he was called to. Because God said to him, be strong and courageous. Be very strong and courageous. That probably meant because he wasn't feeling strong or courageous. Or was feeling that he's going to get knockbacks. And we, you know, we haven't got time to go into the rest of Joshua. But he did get knockbacks. But he, he was strong and courageous. And actually what that did was it brought impact to others. His obedience was going to unlock the destiny for a people. Wow. What about the person, the unnamed person, that first shared the gospel with a young William Graham? His tiny act of obedience unlock the destiny which God did through, through Billy Graham to, they reckon, over two billion people on this planet heard the gospel because Billy Graham spoke. The unsung hero in all of this is the person that first spoke the gospel to Billy Graham and brought him to faith. Ignored as far as history is concerned, but his obedience unlocked destiny for people. Okay, 
Next, next one. We're gonna. This is rush for the end. But for us, what does obedience look like? So it, it's being responsive to the word of God. Um, Ephesians 5 says, don't be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Don't get drunk with wine. Da, 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 da. So my question here is, when was the last time that you asked the Holy Spirit to challenge you through the word of God? It's a brave prayer, but I've asked it. When was the last time? So I remember as a relatively young Christian, I used to smoke roll-ups, roll-ups. And uh, my practice was just to, uh, I would sit and read my Bible at the end of the day and read and pray and things like that. I've never been a particularly brilliant morning person. I'm a better evening person. That's just me. So I was sitting there uh, as a relatively young Christian on my bed preparing my roll-ups, which I used to just smoke while I'm reading the Bible. I think that's fair enough. Um, And I'm sitting there one night, and I I remember I'm I'm rolling it, and the Holy Spirit spoke into my my ear and said, that's not very compatible, is it? I went, whoa. Because you know when God speaks to you, and you just go, what? Um, And so he and I had a dialogue about this, um, and I basically said, look, I've I've genuinely tried to give up smoking a number of times and have been unable to. Um, and so I said to him, um, okay, I tell you what, from tomorrow morning, if you take the desire away, I'll never smoke again. And I woke the next morning, I threw all my tobacco, I'm thinking, it's half an ounce of old Holborn just being thrown away. <laughs> I was, yeah. um, and God took the desire for cigarettes away, and I have never smoked another cigarette in my life since then. A few uh, months later than that, um, my practice was, I'm going to go there, a few months later than that, my practice was just to go to the pub on a Saturday night, because that was what I always did. I was a, I was a young man, and uh, it was about a 15 or 20 minute walk down to the pub. So I'm walking down the pub, not really having anything in my mind apart from, I'm just going, going down to meet some mates. Um, and, uh, and then <laughs> I heard the Holy Spirit again say to me, what are you doing? And, and I said to, sorry, context, I used to wake up on, I, I drank quite heavily in those days, um, and uh, I would wake up on a Saturday morning after a Friday night session knowing that my hands were like that until I went to the pub and had a pint and then I was fine. That was it. So I kind of had an issue, I just didn't acknowledge that I got an issue. So I was going down to the pub on a, on a Saturday, Saturday evening and the Lord said to me, what are you doing? I said, I'm going to the pub. He said, no you're not. I said, yes, I am. No, you're not. Yes, I am. I always go to the pub on a Saturday night. You're not going tonight. But I want to go to the pub. No, I don't want you to go to the pub. But that's what I do on a Saturday night. No, you don't, Rick. So he won the, arg- he won the argument, as you would imagine. The issue was that actually I, got a, I had a, a deeply ingrained uh, pattern of bad behaviour and actually it was, a, it was an addiction that God needed to break. And it was a matter of lordship. Would I say yes, Lord, or no? Now, there were other people. Yeah, I'm, I'm not making a moralistic judgment about other people. What I'm, the point I'm making is when God puts his, ha- his finger upon something, how do you respond to that? And what's right for you in terms of, you know, God's put his finger upon that for, for me, 
but he may not have done it for, for you because God transforms us from one degree of glory to another and the things that might be Achilles heels for me may not be Achilles heels for you I've never had a, a problem with gossiping and you know that kind of stuff for other people that's a real problem and sometimes when God goes now I don't want you to even think like that let alone say it and you go whoa but that's just I'm, I'm an external processor Lord you know that about me no 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 no, this needs to stop there. It needs to, doesn't need to get into there. It needs to stop there. And when God puts his finger upon things that are right for you, the issue is, okay, do you say yes or no? I mean, I could have ignored him. I could have continued smoking and going to the pub and just ignoring God. But actually, the, the blessings of obedience way outweigh the minor, um, you know, Apparent blessings of not obedience. Okay, next one. Moving on. So that's responsive to the word of God. Responsive to the promises of God. Sorry, the promptings of God. Um, It says that uh, in Colossians 4 verse 5, it says, Make the most of every opportunity and let your speech always be with grace so that you may know how you should respond to each person. I want to talk about listening to and responding to the Holy Spirit. Now, I appreciate that that's, that's almost the same as what I've just done, but the previous point was about when's, when does God speak to you through the word. Now this one, I was on a train. I was, just, I was dressed in my England rugby garb. I was going up to Twickenham. It was just an amazing day. And uh, I was just minding my, own, my, minding my own business, not really thinking about God at all, just enjoying the day, that kind of thing. I was going up with my son. Um, and we were going up on a train, and then just about, you know, 10 feet or so across the railway carriage was this huge bloke. I mean, like, really big, kind of Mark's bigness, but bigger. Um, and uh, he'd got this big tattoo on his, on his right neck, or right side of his neck. And I, I remember I'm looking at it thinking, why is that? It's just, you know, kind of looks a bit tribal and, you know, wonder what that is. It seemed a strange kind of, it was a funny shape, on, to have on the side of your neck, and I know that people have tattoos on the bottom of their back and all that kind of thing, and and but this this just looked odd, and so I'm just I'm 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 not even talking to God about this. I'm just going, oh, man, it's a bit funny. Why would you have that? It's just odd shape, and, I, and as I looked, it was like there was it seemed there was an amalgamation of three initials, and one of them was Z, um, which kind of all melded together, but you could kind of vaguely make them out. Um, and so I'm just m- mulling this over in my mind. And then God speaks to me and said, that's the initials of his children. And I want you to go and tell him that I know about Zoe and he doesn't need to worry because he's doing really well as a father. I'm thinking, oh poo. Because this, he was a big bloke, and he he got some mates around him, and they were in conversation. They weren't taking any. He wasn't taking any notice of me. My eye had gone to this person on the train, and I'm thinking, oh my goodness me! And I knew that God had said, actually, this is what I want you to say. So I'm thinking, oh my goodness, how do I deal with that? So I I turned to my son, who's not currently walking with the Lord, and said, okay, risk over success, and he went, huh. 
So I stepped up and went up to this bloke who was in conversation with his friends. Uh, and, he, and he looked at me and went, yeah. I said, excuse me, this is going to sound a bit random. Does the name Zoe mean anything to you? And, and he looked at me and I, kind of, I, could, I could have just slapped him on the face for the effect that it had had. And so I took that to be God going, yes, you've heard right, keep going. So I said, this sounds a bit random, but I said, I'm a Christian, and I feel that God said to me, don't worry about Zoe, she's going to be okay, and that God wants you to know that you're doing well as a father. And I said, that's all I've got. Because <laughs> this could have gone really badly. This was, I, I was ready to receive uh, <laughs> a blessing, a blessing a, an, an, an unforeseen blessing, but... He was kind of, I mean, it was genuinely a gobsmacked expression. And he went, okay, that was it. I said, I'm going back to my seat. And so I, I went back to my seat and sat down. And the next, the next railway station, he was actually getting off the train, the next station. So he got up from where he was and, and, and went away from me towards, the, towards the, the door to get out. And then stopped and came back put his hand out to me and said, thank you so much. Now, I don't know what his story is, and I don't know, you know, but that something connected there, and God used me, or God, yeah, God used me in that situation to bring a word into that man's life that said, God knows about you, and he knows about your daughter Zoe, and don't worry about it. And I don't know whether he's a Christian. He didn't look a Christian, but hey, you know, you can't tell. So yeah. Um, but it's about when God speaks to you and gives you a prompting, how obedient are you? And it's inconvenient. And I could have rationalized, no, I'm not going to do that, because actually we, sh- we are supposed to be just available. We're supposed to be willing to stand out from the crowd. We're, we're, we're supposed to be willing to go, you know what, Lord, if you say it, I'm going to do it, and I'm going to risk that this might go well or badly. Um, so my challenge to you is, where are you? What's your heart doing? And let's stand, actually, please. Can we stand? So, Father, just I tell you what, can you put your hand on your heart? I'm not going to ask you to pray. Jesus, Lord, you've, you see the state of our hearts, good and bad, willing and unwilling. I want to ask you, Lord Jesus, that today, from today, that we would be more aware of you speaking into our hearts and to obey and to be ready, Lord, to say yes to you. Lord, I know that you want hearts of fire. And so I ask you, Father God, that you would come. Would you use us? Would you help us to step forward and say yes rather than no? And we'll see your kingdom come and your will be done and we'll see people's lives transformed as we step forward boldly. In you, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Can we give Rick a hand? I, mean, I thought it was fantastic. Could you quickly take a seat as well? So this is one thing I just want to say, just, just grab a seat quickly. Um, I think one, I think it's a really deep word that Rick's preached this morning. And I really want to encourage you to respond to that. And so um, the way we're going to do that is, is that we're going to, um, if there's anything that God's calling you, that you know that you need to be obedient towards. Man, 
prayer is always helpful. And so I want to encourage you to come f- along forward to that for prayer. And Rick and the team will pray with you here in the f- afterwards. So please do come. Lord bless you guys. Have a fantastic day. We'll see you again here next week. And um, please do come forward for prayer. I mean, I almost want to beg you to do that because I think I could respond to that for a few things the Lord's speaking to me about too. Amen? All right. Bless you.